0: Alzheimer's is a progressive disease that destroys memory and other important mental functions. So what are some of the symptoms, available treatment, misconceptions, and resources available? Well, let's find out with Dr. Jess Rhee, a clinical neuropsychologist, and Dr. Sachin Davey, a board-certified general neurologist and clinical neurophysiologist, as we discuss raising awareness about Alzheimer's disease. This is Your Wellness Solution, a podcast by Solution Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Dr. Ree, and Dr. Dave, thank you so much for your time. So Dr. Ree, for someone who says, I'm having a harder time remembering things, gosh, do I have Alzheimer's disease? Or my loved one seems to be having a harder time remembering things. Do they have Alzheimer's disease? What steps in those instances need to be taken?
1: First, I want to comment on whether or not a person has Alzheimer's disease, there's a lot of workup that needs to be done before you jump to that conclusion. There are many different things that can cause memory problems. So usually people talk with their primary care physician and typically the primary care physician will refer that person to a specialist, either to a neurologist first or someone like me, a neuropsychologist to do the cognitive testing to try to figure out if whatever memory issues that person is noticing is normal for their age or not
0: got it so there are other things that can cause memory lapses maybe there's a chemical imbalance in the body or somebody is under extreme stress or other factors that may mimic the signs of alzheimer's is that right dr Ree?
1: that's absolutely right so typically there will be standard blood work that can be done to figure out if there's maybe some sort of thyroid dysfunction for example or vitamin B12 deficiency, or vitamin B deficiency. And then also mood can really affect memory. If someone's feeling very depressed, that can affect someone's ability to concentrate. And if they're having trouble concentrating and taking everything in, then they're not going to remember things later. So there are a lot of different things that need to be considered before you jump to a conclusion that I think this person is showing the early signs of Alzheimer's disease.
0: That's good to know as most people jump right to the conclusion of Alzheimer's disease if they start to notice any memory lapses. So Dr. Dave, can you explain to us what is exactly Alzheimer's disease?
2: Yeah, so Alzheimer's disease is a type of dementia. It's one of the most common type of dementia. It's a neurodegenerative condition that Uh, occurs due to accumulation of amyloid plaques in the neurons. It's more common after the age of 65, but there are uh, certain cases where it could be early onset as well.
0: And Dr. Rhee, I think there's always confusion on what is Alzheimer's and what is dementia. So can you tell us what is the difference between those two?
1: Oh, absolutely. I get this question a lot. So dementia is a symptom of a disease. What dementia means is that someone is having a lot of cognitive problems. It could be memory problems, or maybe they're having a lot of trouble with their words. And the cognitive symptoms are severe enough that it's affecting someone's ability to easily and independently carry out everyday activities like managing their bills or managing their medications so typically, the way to think about it is the most common form of dementia is dementia due to Alzheimer's disease. You can also have dementia due to Parkinson's disease, dementia due to frontotemporal lobar degeneration. That's another progressive brain disease. But my point is that there are many different types of dementia.
0: So Alzheimer's then falls under the umbrella of dementia.
1: That's right. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. And then, Dr. Davet, what does the term mild cognitive impairment mean?
2: So when a person has cognitive decline, memory problems, other sort of cognitive difficulties, but that's not affecting the independent functions yet, that will fall into mild cognitive impairment category which is not dementia yet, and may or may not uh, progress into dementia, but would be important to be monitored.
0: And as you age, there is a degree of mild cognitive impairment that is normal. Is that correct?
2: Yes, but that would not be called mild cognitive impairment. It would be more age-appropriate cognitive changes rather than impairment.
0: So then, if someone is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, what are the treatments that are available, Dr. Rhee?
1: Typically for the mild stage of Alzheimer's dementia, the medication that is typically prescribed is something called Aricept, but sometimes people have stomach problems or other side effects like Vivid Dreams is another one that I've heard about. And so there are other medications in that same class that have a different side effect profile, but typically Aricept is the one that's usually tried first. And then as the disease progresses to more moderate or middle-stage Alzheimer's dementia, then typically there's a second medication that's added that's called Namenda. But Dr. Dave, I'll defer to you on that one.
2: Oh, sure. So when we come to the treatment for Alzheimer's, it is actually a collaboration of multiple different people, including neurologists, neuropsychologists, social worker, primary care physicians, and sometimes psychiatrist as well. When it comes to the medications, as Dr. Ree just suggested, uh, there are two main groups that are available. Uh, One is called acetylcholine esterase inhibitors, which has three medications in that category. One was mentioned by Dr. Rhee, Aricept, there are two more, and they are alternatives. So if somebody has a side effect on one, we can always and changing it to the other one. Aricept is usually by far the most commonly used medication in that group. And that's uh, approved for mild to moderate to severe form of Alzheimer's. The other one is Nemenda. The drug name is Mementin, which is approved more for moderate to severe form of Alzheimer's. But this is just the medication. And there are a lot of other things that's included into the treatment. And that includes addressing other medical health issues, chronic pain, for example, sleep issues, mental health conditions that may come with dementia or may have been present before that, including depression, anxiety, sometimes behavioral changes. So it's not only the medication, it requires a multidimensional approach.
0: And then Dr. Dave, what are some of the other things that people living with Alzheimer's or care partners may notice, and how do they deal with that?
2: So one of the first things uh, will be change in the behavior. Uh, It may or may not be noticed by the patient themselves. It could be as simple as apathy, not caring for things that were really important for the patient before. It could be anxiety, it could be agitation, and sometimes hallucinations, sleep disturbance what we call sundowning, uh, more behavioral changes in the evenings and later in the night. These are in the spectrum of behavioral changes that may be noticed by the family members. There, I think, uh, approach would be to, one, have a good social environment. Second, treating with appropriate medications for Alzheimer's. Usually sedatives or any other mental health medications are avoided as far as possible due to possible side effects. And if needed, obviously, consultation with the psychiatrist can be considered at that point.
0: So Dr. Re, what about the person that says, I really don't think I have Alzheimer's disease, but my family is worried. Why do I need to go through all this testing? What do you say for someone saying that to themselves?
1: So one thing I like to say to my patients is that sometimes it's hard to notice changes in ourselves. And sometimes family members will notice changes before we do. But either way, it's helpful to get a cognitive baseline to just see where things are at in terms of memory or attention or language. And if everything's in the normal range, great. Then you just have a baseline that if in the future, if there are changes, then you could come back for a repeat evaluation and have those results compared to the baseline. But If the results come back showing that it does look like there are memory difficulties that are abnormal for a person's age, then it will be great to have identified that early so that different, for example, lifestyle changes perhaps could be made or other interventions could be recommended.
0: Got it, when you say language, what do you mean? Remembering words, that type of a thing?
1: Changes in someone's ability to easily come up with their words is another very common symptom of Alzheimer's disease. Well, it's very subtle at first, but as the disease progresses, someone might have trouble remembering the name of something, and it might take them longer than usual to remember what it is.
0: And then, Doctor Dave, for someone who says, "You know, my mother had Alzheimer's disease. Are there steps I can take now to prevent myself from the same outcome or slow the onset?" What do you say in that instance?
2: so a lot depends on the age when this question was asked as dr Ree mentioned earlier we start better it is so very common thing for me to say would be healthy lifestyle and what that means is regular exercises dietary changes regular sleep taking care of vascular risk factors that include high blood pressure diabetes cholesterol problems if somebody is smoking i would really encourage and emphasize to quit smoking, address mental health problems, depression, anxiety, other issues, and be very active socially, physically. More recently there has been more and more interest in Mediterranean diet pattern. So that can be implemented. But overall, this positive lifestyle changes that would be recommended. And again, a lot depends on what comorbidities, what other factors the person has who is asking this question.
0: That makes sense. So Dr. Rhee, what are some common misconceptions about Alzheimer's disease that we should know about?
1: So at least one that I can think of is that Alzheimer's is just a normal part of aging and that's not correct. So about one in 10 people age 65 and older has Alzheimer's disease. But if you think about, that's just 10% of people who are 65 and older. So this is not something that everybody is going to have as they grow older. In fact, I've had the pleasure of working with a number of people in their late 70s, early 80s, actually some people in their early 90s, who are cognitively just fine. So that's at least one important misconception that I'd like to clear up.
0: Yeah, that is an important one. And then Dr. Dave, is Alzheimer's disease fatal?
2: I think it is not directly fatal. It's not like cancer, for example, which is going to cause death on its own. But it has a lot of complications that can come along with that. Complications being, for example, fall urinary tract infection, aspiration, pneumonia, this kind of thing. So proper day-to-day care, as well as proper monitoring for this kind of risk factors would be important.
0: And then Dr. Ree, for someone diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, what about clinical trials someone can participate in? Where would they find information about that?
1: Yes. So the resource that I'd like to share is from the Alzheimer's Association. They have the matching service to help people see if they qualify for any clinical trials. So that address is www.alz.org backslash trial match.
0: Alz.org/backslash trial match. And then, Dr. Dave, what are some books someone can pick up to read about Alzheimer's?
2: I would rather suggest going through the Alzheimer's Association website. I have a lot of information. Separate uh, from that is American Academy of Neurology. Also, National Institute of Aging, IA, has a lot of information about that. In terms of book, there is one book uh, by Mayo Clinic that can be of use. It's Mayo Clinic Guide to Alzheimer's Disease. And there is another one, 36 Hours day. This one I have not read myself, but it is suggested as one of the top in the list of reading. But I would really focus more on authentic websites or authentic organizations like Alzheimer's Association, NIA, or AN.
0: And then lastly, Dr. Re, are there any other resources someone can look into to find some help?
1: Just to reiterate Dr. Dave's point, I definitely think that the Alzheimer's Association website is the primary resource, so www.alz.org. Another really great resource is ServiceLink that offers a lot of practical information about logistics, like potentially finding financial assistance for caring for a loved one who's living with dementia. That website is www.ServiceLink.org. So that would be another great resource.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Rhee and Dr. Dave, thank you so much for your time. This has really been informative and insightful. Thank you both for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thank you very much.
0: That's Dr. Jess Ree and Dr. Sachin Davey. And for more information, please visit solutionhealth.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is the Solution Health Podcast from Solution Health. Thanks for listening.